I V M. Have you ever wondered why women don't do more crime? Well, we're here to tell you. There's misconduct all the time. Women are thieves and murderers. That's gross misconduct. Con artists, money launderers. Mm, criminal misconduct. Financial fraud that's hard to track. Take some planning, but still misconduct. Even breaching a contract. Well, that's more civil, though. It's misconduct. Misconduct. We tell you all about women that suck. Things that make you say, "What the?" It's misconduct. Hello, 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 and welcome to Misconduct. We are a podcast about Indian women that are criminals or kind of did some bad stuff. And also, we are now a podcast that has somehow successfully lasted two whole months. I am Raghavi. <laughs> and I am Nisha. And yes, I cannot believe you guys have stuck with us for two whole months. That's just <laughs> insane. uh the fact that people just like listening to this one hour long storytelling slash therapy session slash raghavi and i just laughing about nonsense <laughs> so thank you so much guys mm-hmm. um and to commemorate this occasion we have a special episode for you this episode is about a woman that is equal parts criminal and resilient so today's episode is about seema parihar mm-hmm. she was a former dacoit and bandit who is alleged to have killed about 70 people kidnapped hundreds and looted dozens of homes all in the span of 18 long years okay 18 years is uh, it's quite nuts yes yes it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy mm-hmm. oh also uh, we wanted to commemorate just something else is the fact that ragvi and i are in the same city yes we are um nisha made her way all the way to bangalore and she's staying with me obviously but the sad part is we <laughs> cannot record together We're in the same house in different rooms yep. because of technical issues involving our mics, and that kind of sucks. But um, oh, so many issues. Yes, but we're professionals. So we're going to roll along with it. Um, but let's get into the episode. And of course, as we mentioned many, many times before, this is a true crime podcast. If you're new here, it literally says so on our artwork. Uh, we will be talking about crime. We'll be talking about crime adjacent stuff. Just crime across the board. Just crime, crime, crime. So if you are a child please turn this off go play with some toys this podcast is not suitable for children if you're an adult then listener discretion is advised additionally this particular episode has references to sexual assault please consider this a trigger warning thanks raghavi so let's take a few minutes to talk about dacoity and banditry in india mm-hmm. so dacoity is essentially a form of organized crime except it's uh, it is primarily located in more rural areas uh, that's just the colloquial use of that term today it actually originates from the hindi word dakaiti which also originated from the word daku meaning a robber that is armed so you can mostly use the words dakoit and bandit kind of interchangeably mm-hmm. but if you really want to go into the origin of modern dakoiti in india it kind of traces back to the british era because mm-hmm. everything terrible comes from the british empire <laughs> i mean well uh except for trains and newspapers i suppose the entire layout oh. of the city of delhi 
<laughs> oh, and democracy, the Magna Carta. Dude, there's good stuff that came out of the British Empire, but no, decoity is, I guess, how that is handled was not. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I agree with uh, one of my favorite podcasts when I say the British Empire was uh, kind of the slow Nazis, but sure. So oh. the British era is essentially when like decoity became a prominent problem that citizens faced almost on like a daily basis. Um, highway robberies were the most common type of crime. It got so bad that like the British government in India passed the Thuggy and Decoity Suppression Act in 1836. Mm-hmm. Another legislation called the Criminal Tribes Act was also passed in 1871. That is present even today, as in the Indian government considers certain tribes to be denotified or illegal. Right. As of today, there are two major regions where decoity became a problem, both in the northern Indian areas of Morena and Chambal. So these regions stretch between the states of Madhya Pradesh, Rajasthan, Uttar Pradesh and Haryana. Uh, mm-hmm. Chambal in particular has been devastated by bandits for over a century and they were mm-hmm. of many, many kinds. Uh, some of them would target local businesses and loot them. Others would focus on kidnapping rich people and demanding ransoms. Mm-hmm. Many of them would mm-hmm. get violent, of course, um, if the decoits, like if, if they felt like their demands were not really met. But right. then there were also others that posed as like Robin Hood figures for their local communities, or or at least that's how they did their public relations. <laughs> Um, I think most of us have heard of some very famous bandits in India. One is Gabbar Singh Gujar, who was active in Chambal in the 1950s and was the inspiration for the villain in the Hindi movie Shole. Um, I haven't seen Shole. Wow, okay. Surprise. <laughs> what a big surprise. Uh, then there was Pan Singh Tomar. We, there was a movie made about him as well, which also I have not seen. Okay, this I haven't seen as well. I think that's the one with Irfan Khan in it, right? Yes, yes, that is. Yes. Um, our boy Veerappan down south. Yeah, uh, <laughs> represent. <laughs> you thought this was specific to the north? No, South <laughs> Indians are also capable of these things, okay? We're also terrible <laughs> people. <laughs> um, and of course, the legendary Fulan Devi. That's right. Oh, uh, so you guys might wonder why we're not just talking about Fulan Devi in this episode. Mm. She's a woman. She was a criminal. She's kind of just the right person for this podcast. You might be thinking that. Yeah, but honestly, you know, we're not ready for it. Um, I mm. think like the thing about understanding decoity um, as a social phenomenon is that it's very heavily rooted in caste-based discrimination and class yep. warfare. Uh, for Fulan Devi specifically, like the role of caste played in in all of her interactions with her fellow gang members and the communities mm-hmm. that she ravaged. Raghavi and I are nowhere close to understanding that in the broader social context. Um, yeah. She was also eventually murdered, likely as a revenge for killing an upper caste man herself. So when we talk about someone as significant as her, I, we really need to do justice to it. That's, I mean, that's not taking away from Seema Parihar and, and we're not saying that it's not complicated, nor are we saying that it's not rooted in caste discrimination. But I think Fulan Devi is just so famous and she, she also just happened to take on the role of a women's rights activist, right? Particularly against sexual violence. So it's just an extremely different level entirely. Yeah, I, I agree. I also didn't think it was something that we could work on right now. Maybe a season or two down the line. Uh, when you can maybe have the right people on the podcast mm. to discuss it with us as well. Uh, like I understand we come from a position of privilege and it would be great to have that conversation with mm. the right people. I think that's 
just how it works. Fair. Responsibility yeah. wise. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we're also happy to hear ideas on how you think we can tackle it. We're always happy to listen. So, or if you think there's a particular way that somebody had handled it that you think doesn't really work, let us know and we're happy to, we're happy to yes. listen. Of course we are. Yeah. Uh, but yes, on a separate but definitely related note, you will likely also want to know what the what Indian law says about mm. decoity. So what Indian law says about decoity is please don't do it. <laughs> it's actually all of the Indian penal code is essentially is just like, don't do this thing that is it's written here. Don't do the thing that I write here. <laughs> and so the Indian penal code itself also really, it classifies robbery and decoity as different things. Uh, to put it really simply, robbery mm. under section 390 of the IPC is uh, committing some sort of theft or carrying away property uh, where the offender also causes or attempts to cause either death or hurt or restrain the person that they are robbing. Hmm. Decoity, which is under section 391, hmm. is mostly like robbery, but if it's done by five or more people jointly. <laughs> like a party. <laughs> yeah, yes, like a like a party of death and sadness. <laughs> uh, so robbery, I mean, of course, the difference in punishment as well. Robbery hmm. comes with uh, imprisonment up to 10 years and maybe a fine. Uh, also, if you commit robbery on the highway in the nighttime, that can extend hmm. to 14 years. Oh, yeah. but what if it's like a cool robbery? Like doom? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so if your, if your robbery is a cool one, uh, you don't get jail time. You are instead punished hey. with the haircut. <laughs> You get the haircut that John Abraham had in that movie. But you, you get that haircut that he had in that no. movie, but you have to wear it for 14 years. <laughs> oh good god no thanks no thank you <laughs> yeah sorry oh but by the must. way do you know that uh, Dhoom was originally going to be with cars apparently the oh. producer Aditya Chopra wanted to do like cool car chases instead of bikes but then the director was like you're going to pay so much money for a bunch of famous people and then put them in a car and <laughs> never show their faces and then Aditya Chopra was like fine we'll do bikes <laughs> Do, do they wear helmets in the movie? Because that ruins it too, right? I can't uh, remember. No, I I think everyone wears a helmet except for John Abraham. Yeah, fair. I mean, if you pay John Abraham money, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. They pay too much for that haircut. They did, yes. Also, the, the punishment for decoity, like I said earlier, is a little different. Um, mm. So it's generally imprisonment of at least seven years if you attempt to cause death or grievous hurt or use a deadly weapon. Mm -hmm. Even just preparing to commit decoity can come with a punishment of up to 10 years. Oh. Now, decoity with murder, which is the kind of lethal combination that Our Lady of the Hour, Seema Parihar, would engage in. Hmm. Um, that's a combination that's that makes nobody happy. Uh, it comes with hmm. the death penalty or imprisonment for life or rigorous imprisonment up to 10 years. So, decoity plus murder is just equal to bad. Just, just acknowledge Yay, that that's. and let's... <laughs> <laughs> yes, Matt. Um, But actually, you know what? That's enough context. There is a lot more, of course. Um, and mm. I invite you guys to read up on like really how truly awful and pervasive bandits were through the 50s, like the 1950s through to the early 2000s in India. Mm. Um, in fact, it was like, it's a very heavy police push and like some very strictly enforced laws that eventually sort of really pushed decoity down. Um, from what we understand, I think the last big police encounter with the famous decoit happened in 2007 sometime uh, with the mm. bandit Ram Babu Gadaria. He was shot dead that year. And just since then, it's mm. just been like isolated minor cases, nothing big and prof like high profile. But please do go ahead and read up about it. Uh, India's historical encounters with decoities especially is a very fascinating read, uh, according to us. 
yes please go and do that and we will take a little break in the meantime mm-hmm. welcome back everyone mm-hmm. um i think it's high time that we start talking about the woman seema parihar mm-hmm. so seema parihar was born in a tiny town in uttar pradesh called auraya to a thakur family um mm-hmm. auraya's close to the border between up and madhya pradesh uh, somewhere along the banks of the river yamuna Mm-hmm. Her exact date of birth is not clear but she was born somewhere between 1970 and 1971 we just mm-hmm. calculated this with some basic mathematics so just presume that it's wrong <laughs> um but <laughs> at some point in her life a rich man from her village appears to have asked to marry her and her father said mm-hmm. no so this rich man mm-hmm. uh, it is said was named lala ram So this part mm-hmm. is sourced from a representation made about Seema in a court case and we'll get to that a bit later. Right. In 1983, uh Seema was unfortunately kidnapped and she was probably like 12 or 13 years old at that time. Mm-hmm. She was residing in a village called Baween in UP at this time. Uh Lala Ram, the man who proposed to her was one of the men who kidnapped her. The other man was Kusuma Nyan. Both turned out to be dacoits. Mm-hmm. and they took her to a jungle nearby that's where she lived for years after that with no contact with her family Oof. it appears that her father looked for her but the local police were working with the dacoits mm-hmm. um it's not known exactly why they kidnapped her it's unlikely that they would have just picked her up for a ransom since her family was not particularly well off mm-hmm. um there are publications like the independent that claim that she was raped repeatedly but we haven't found any indian publication that spoke about it right mm-hmm. however seema has given interviews later in her life where she talks about how difficult the time she spent with these dacoits was mm-hmm. in an indian express interview in 2011 she is quoted as saying No girl at 12 voluntarily goes into the jungle. It is a horrible life and you can't leave ever for the fear of the authorities. Mm-hmm. She hasn't given much else information about her time with Lala Ram though. Yeah, um and that's fair, right? I mean, it it is her story to tell. Mm. Uh I I think it's absolutely fine for her to retain that she doesn't know us anything. Uh mm. also in the court case that you mentioned earlier, I just wanted to just speak about that we are i mean we're using that essentially as a source of information about her early life this mm-hmm. was a court case in relation um to a censorship issue that comes up much later we'll talk about that right. in a little more detail but one of the things that we understood from the representations that were made in that um uh, in the filings was it appears that she desperately tried to get back home uh once mm. she was kidnapped but since the police would not help her she had absolutely no way of leaving so we understand that at some point she essentially just resigned to her fate at the age of 12 or 13 oh. she resigned to her fate and she decided to learn the ways of dacoity from ramlala essentially to survive so sometime in 1986 she married another dacoit nirbhay singh gujjar mm-hmm. he is considered one of the last dacoits in chambal and he was actually called the last lion mm-hmm. and he passed away in 2005 after 19 years of official marriage with seema Mm-hmm. Uh one interesting fact is that he's apparently credited by the Archaeological Survey of India for providing support to restore the Bhateshwar Hindu temples in Madhya Pradesh. Mm-hmm. Uh these were originally built in like 9th century AD. Mm, fun yeah. fact. <laughs> yeah. Um Seema however returned to Lala Ram in Chambal in 1986 itself and she decided that she's going to start her own dacoit gang. 
it was here that she would also go on to have Lala Ram's child in the year 2000. Hmm. All right. This is kind of where it gets a little more interesting and also harrowing in a way that I guess we can sort of vaguely say that she has agency now, that mm. she is sort of assumed over herself, um, agency to commit crimes, but still. Yeah. Uh, so Seema had said out loud many, many times that she was heavily influenced by Fulan Devi herself. Hmm. So in 2007, Seema told the Associated Press, uh, this is what she said, I want to be another Fulan. She has done a lot for the poor and downtrodden. So Fulan Devi, sorry, would be about six to eight years senior to Seema. So she likely would have seen her as a role model of sorts. Hmm. And I think she also seemed to gather Fulan as sort of like a leader that was capable of putting together these elaborate gangs, um, getting gang members, hmm. like their loyalties and sort of organizing these elaborate robberies and kidnappings, right. you know, that have like huge monetary benefits as well. Mm -hmm. So by the 80s, we should remember that Fulan Devi had already surrendered herself to the police. Mm. Uh, she would also go on to serve 11 years in prison. But the fact is, the sentiments among the people of Fulan Devi's community were essentially that her acts of rebellion were warranted and necessary, considering mm. what had happened to her and generally considering what was happening in the community. Um, and Fulan Devi... I mean, also she surrendered entirely on her own terms. Um, right. All of all of those terms were fulfilled by the Madhya Pradesh police, mm -hmm. you know. So there was really no scenario in which you can say the Furnavi did not have that that sense of agency when she was, you know, just even when she was surrendering to the police. So mm -hmm. Seema clearly felt very, very inspired by her. Mm -hmm. So much on the same lines as Fulan Devi. In 1986, Seema decided to divide up certain bits of land in Madhya Pradesh all for herself. So this would include uh, Bhind Forest in Madhya Pradesh and the Chambal River. Hmm. So Bhind Forest, it's sort of important to note that it's known for its ravines. Hmm. Um, it, it's sort of like a terrain that's really hard to navigate or maneuver. Hmm. So these provided great hiding spots. The town in this area is also called Bhind and it's a little funny and upsetting. Uh, there's an Indian Express article from 2011 that describes the town as where everyone and their two-year-old owns a gun. <laughs> Outright. Nice. Just no sugarcoating it at all. Um, and so you can kind of imagine the environment that this is, right? It's already mm -hmm. quite violent to begin with. Um, and during her time in being under Lala Ram, she picked up a few talents, so to speak. She became an expert at using firearms for one. Mm. It's reported that her favorite firearms were a .303 revolver and an AK-47 assault rifle. Okay. <laughs> mm, just escalated there quite a bit. Um, and she also learned the trade, so to speak, of decoity and mm. the art of abduction around this time. <laughs> well done, Seema. Mm -hmm. Good. She was a good mentee. <laughs> um, so what were Seema's chosen crimes? Decoity, for one. Her gang would, among other things, rob houses and shops quite extensively. And yet, this was not their most lucrative crime. Uh, mm. The most well-paying crime was actually kidnapping. It appears that abduction and extortion were their main sources of income, mm -hmm. especially abducting people from rich families. <laughs> and one of the highest ransoms Seema received was like for 20 lakh rupees. Mm. Um, to quote one of the members of the gang, uh, believe me, Agonized families will give any amount to free their loved ones. And we kept our word. If the money came in, the victims went back to their families. Mm. 
And mm-hmm. she says it outright too. Yes, you're right. We'll get into it a little bit later. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, many, 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 many of the activities of her gang uh, also turned out to be extremely violent. Mm-hmm. Those that did did not comply, basically like families that did not cooperate with them, they were kind of penalized by Seema. Mm-hmm. For example, if the family of a kidnapping victim did not cooperate to pay the ransom, then they would get a finger in the mail. Oh, good God. Okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah. There was also like heavy violence between the other gangs in Chambal area. At the height of her decoyed days, Seema reportedly either killed or ordered the killing of about 70 people. This included both mm. like rival gangs and people that betrayed her or mutinied against her from her own gang. Uh, she, she really was extremely ruthless, I think. Mm. Um, also, the people of Chambal were too scared to be a witness against her, yeah. which I understand. <laughs> So, like, even if the cases were filed, no one would give her up or turn up and say that they had some information about her. Yeah, I mean, no doy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's absolutely fair. I think at the height of her decoy days, uh, Seema essentially ended up, like, looting and pillaging some 30-odd houses. Uh, she allegedly killed, like, 70 people. Uh, she kidnapped 200 people. And this is stuff that we know of. Hmm. Um, Seema's reign in Chambal also went on for over 18 years. Like she became an extremely feared name across the area. Um, and there were other mm-hmm. gangs that were moving away, uh, you know, just to give her full control over the region because she really was like really picking up that space. Um, having said that though, it appears that Seema was not happy with this life hmm. that she sort of built for herself. For one, life in the forest was not easy for her. And in, there's an, the Indian Express article that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. her partner at the time, Suraj Singh, he's quoted as saying, if anyone fell sick, that was the worst thing. First, you would call the village doctor. But if the illness was beyond him, we would commandeer a vehicle to take them to the city and find a hospital. Mm-hmm. It was forever happening with the girls in the forest as they frequently got pregnant and we had to take them for abortions. Oof, that is heavy. Yeah, that's just, that's really, really rough. I can't, can you imagine? I mean, that's, I'm really glad they didn't do like a backyard abortion. Thankfully, Mm, they took them to hospitals. But also something as simple as an infection could just kill you, you know? Yeah. You would have, they'd have no access to get out of there. Um, Mm. And secondly, this is also like incredibly important. Seema didn't choose this life. Mm. She was essentially kidnapped as a child and forced to become this. Instead of enjoying like, like a real childhood, like the rest of us. Yeah. Got, you know, like, when I say rest of us, I, I know I mean a very privileged few even mm. then, to be very honest. Um, she was also married off to a man that she didn't know. And it's very likely that he abused her. You know, she came back, mm. uh, you know, away from him in less than a year of marriage. So I'm not surprised at all. I'm actually just surprised that she didn't just take her guns and shoot everyone she knew <laughs> I swear because yeah if it came to that point that's what I would do I would just snap something <laughs> in me would snap um mm. I also I mean 
I really wanted to highlight this messed up relationship she had with you mm. know Lala Ram. It's just most publications. and including the movie that was made about her we'll get to that in a minute mm-hmm. they talk about how seema was cohabitating with him but primarily you know she had nowhere else to go it's right. not a normal relationship as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. it was essentially abusive she was captive for a large part of it um i can only assume that she sort of stayed because of like crippling stockholm syndrome mm-hmm. it's i don't think it's a far off assumption to make yeah. um anyway sometime in early 2000 he died Lala Ram died mm. and now we get to the second act of Seema Parehar's life and on that note let's take a small break Welcome back everyone we are talking about Seema Parehar and we are now in the second act of her life um unfortunately her second act starts with her arrest yes she was caught but she was caught on a technicality and the technicality was she surrendered like <laughs> <laughs> dude you know what so every newspaper that i've read uh, for this mm. for this period specifically says she was arrested okay hey no she wasn't arrested she voluntarily walked into a police station and said here handcuff me like that's not an arrest that's just outrightly saying yeah fine just take me i guess yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um also as we said before in early 2000 uh, Lala Ram was killed by the local police mm-hmm. after this uh, Seema apparently spent some time wondering you know why was she doing all this like why is she being a bandit and mm-hmm. to be fair that's that's the one thing that was really holding her on to this life was that relationship with Lala Ram mm-hmm. and then so at this point when when he was killed she just thought to herself girl it's time to move on <laughs> So yeah, in in June two thousand, she surrendered before the Oraya police. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is said that the police were like hella confused when this happened because <laughs> it is very similar to Fulan Devi's case. Yeah. Uh, also, they knew that Seema was like cunning, and and they expected something to go wrong. But she came absolutely peacefully and surrendered herself to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the moment she did, the police didn't waste any time. They slapped like twenty nine <laughs> criminal cases on her almost immediately. this included yeah. everything from like decoity to robbery to murder theft extortion kidnapping <laughs> just every one of these charges uh, um were for the crimes that happened in and around just jumble oh yikes and you know what sucks is that we don't have access to the case files for these 29 mm. cases like that would be insanely cool if we did uh we do have a confirmation that seema was acquitted in 15 mm-hmm. of these cases as of 2008 sometime um at the time she was on bail for the rest of the cases but just a little before that before she got her on bail something very interesting happened hmm. so seema was quite popular in the media by this point and in hmm. 2002 she was approached by someone to make a movie about her life <laughs> so there were three filmmakers uh, tarun kumar bakshi ak joshi and krishna mishra hmm. they were very interested in making this movie but they wanted only seema to play herself yeah that's kind of cool actually i think it is and seema was like sure i mean she was quite game for it but mm. uh, this time she was still in jail and she wasn't just she wasn't able to get out on bail just yet so mm-hmm. these filmmakers campaigned to get her out on bail so oh, she could film nice. the movie like they essentially mm. like paid for legal fees and got her out there um mm. it got very delayed you know the movie 
filming itself because the courts were not happy with this request they were like excuse me what the hell <laughs> you not only are you a criminal you are profiteering or <laughs> you know with the idea of you being a criminal and just telling yeah. your story um but eventually she was out because unless there's a very specific reason courts kind of have to grant bail mm. um especially she surrendered in this case dude yeah. just, there's yeah. no flight risk with her they're like mm-hmm. i mean she turned up what are we supposed yeah. to do? So filming began in 2004 um mm. and the making of this film was very closely followed by the media mm. especially because Seema was playing herself it was like unheard yeah. of you know and the movie was titled Wounded the Bandit Queen that's what it's called mm-hmm. um so the movie is essentially about her life from the age of 13 when she was kidnapped uh, till the day that she surrendered to the police yes um you know actually a lot of people were not happy about uh, this particular movie and the production was really ravaged by like a lot of violent attacks um mm-hmm. throughout the entire uh, entire time also uh, seema's still legally wedded husband nirbhay gujjar remember mm-hmm. we mentioned him like right in the beginning yeah. he threatened to have the filmmakers beaten up for apparently defaming the lives of decoits okay i don't know i don't know. but i mean the production persevered and the filming was completed in 2005 and then like jokes on it by he he died whatever yeah, that's true he did die that's yeah well yeah but um the movie did not do very well uh mm-hmm. but more importantly i think the movie spent almost a year in front of the censor board just like waiting for it to get approved mm-hmm. basically the censor board said that the filmmakers have to remove all abusive words and dialogues from the movie hmm. remove the, the scene with a close up of a bullet injury for a gun fired by seema remove by 70% the visuals of someone spitting on another's face and remove by 70% the visuals of someone urinating what does that mean <laughs> you Just- <laughs> everything so the lawyer representing the filmmakers basically said bro if we remove all of this there is nothing you're just yeah. like whitewashing a story about a 13 year old girl that was kidnapped and forced into a life of crime yeah right and eventually this went to the bombay high court and and the high court was just like just show the film as is yeah i agree with the high court like i will yeah. never truly understand why film boards do this is not mm. an india specific event it's kind of generally a thing censorship in particular is just people some for some reason like it so mm. think about movies like this biopics those sorts of things especially yeah you know some of these movies are going to have like hard and uncomfortable themes mm-hmm. and it's important to tell these stories as they are as mm. they happened um like for example even in just this movie right um, mm. from wounded to remove swear words from this movie would have really taken away seema's ability to tell her own story mm. as it happened because i understand that for a lot of people that swear words especially like an urban like group of people would think hmm. these are these are swear words it's not how you speak it's not like polished but it's likely colloquial language for a lot yeah. of these people right Correct. so you're really stripping away that sense of identity without you know thinking about how it would impact the storytelling process hmm. Hmm. more importantly this is a violent story to begin yeah, with you know exactly yeah and toning down the violence would really impact how much we as like viewers would understand mm. how truly violent and chaotic and traumatic seema's own life was yeah. um and like i mean it doesn't matter if, if she was the one inflicting the violence or if she was right. a victim of the violence i mean you can be two things it's possible yeah. <laughs> um so if you like if you think if it's truly violent and not certain like suitable for certain age groups then mm. put a rating on it 
Yeah, and then fair. just let it be, right? Then it's the responsibility of the parents to make hmm. sure their kids don't watch it. Or you as an adult, you read the rating and you're like, oh, I don't think I like yeah. this theme. I'm not going to watch it. It's really that simple. Yeah, fair. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's actually kind of interesting. There are some reviews of uh, Wounded that I read mm-hmm. and it kind of dealt with the movie as if it was incapable of just being a work of art on its own just because it gave like mm. a sort of platform to a criminal. Right. Um, it doesn't change the fact that she is a criminal. Of course, of course. she is. Yeah. But the fact is, it, you don't even want to discuss her experience and, and you don't, like you refuse to give her that privilege of nuance and you end mm. up making like this, you know, nonsense 2D character with no growth, no backstory, nothing. Yeah. It's just some like plain plain Jane kind of a thing. And I don't know, I think these people, the people who are making these decisions, they are also coming uh, from a place of privilege. So really, what yeah. do you know? That's right? fair. I agree as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, we're agreeing on I something. know. Whoa. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Are we done talking about it because we agree? <laughs> Yes, it's over. Everything is done. Everyone pack up now. <laughs> um, actually, before we, we get to um, the end, let's find out where is she now? Oh, uh, okay. So right now, yeah. she is chilling in Gwalior in oh. Madhya Pradesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that son that she had with Lala Ram, right. he should be yeah. 21 years old now, mm-hmm. I think. So, um, but if you're asking me where she was in 2006, Hmm. Uh, she joined the Indian Justice Party and hmm. she ran as the party's candidate for the Lok Sabha, uh, which is the lower house of the Indian parliament. Um, okay. In 2008, she joined the Lok Janshakti Party. Hmm. And a few months after that, I think about nine, eight months after that, she joined the Samajwadi Party and she oh. contested in the by-elections for the Badawi district um, hmm. as its representation to the Lok Sabha. Hmm. How did she do all this when she was a criminal, you might be wondering? And the answer, she wasn't convicted at the time. Um, There are also, I mean, there were so many cases in backlog that still hadn't gone to trial. So Hmm. she just contested on a technicality. (laughs) She also didn't win any of these seats, but she really did try, which is congrats. Um, (laughs) One other interesting bit that I, I mean, I thought this was particularly cool because the Samajwadi Hmm. party really like rallied around her and embraced her. Hmm. Uh, I think they anticipated some pushback, but they were ready for it. So... The Oreya town, that was in the constituency's mm-hmm. uh, legislator, Mr. Kamlesh Patak, mm-hmm. uh, from the Samajwadi Party. This is what he said about Seema. He said, Parihar wasn't a dacoit. At a tender age of 13, she was kidnapped by dacoit Lala Ram from her residence. Mm-hmm. Since she surrendered, she was not involved in any criminal activity. We are not using Parihar as a star campaigner but are portraying her as a woman of courage. Yeah, I I get it. I mean, yeah. well, I wouldn't color it that much because <laughs> uh, she was involved in a ton of criminal activity. They need some PR, a little bit. I agreed, agreed. But mm-hmm. then also, like, it's kind of nice that they, that they rallied behind her and they mm-hmm. made it seem like, you know, or, or at least they're saying that, hey, here's a woman, you know, and we're not shying away from saying that, we are impressed by what she's done, like yeah. of her courage, which is wow. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Um, Seema's platform as a politician was kind of nice to behold, I think. Like she <laughs> said that she was following in the footsteps of Fulan Devi, but she didn't actively seek to replace her. She just wanted to complete the works that were left uh, unfinished by her. Right. She also said that if she was elected, she would start a rehabilitation f- program for former dacoits. Mm-hmm. She is also quoted 
as saying that she wants to work on corruption, female feticide and education for girls. I want to focus on these. I missed out on education and I felt that badly when I was in Mumbai. All around me I see women who've never had an education. I know what it's like and I want to do all that I can to help. Oh, which is is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, this this went to a really wholesome place. <laughs> I did yes. not expect that at all. Um lastly, hmm. let's talk about Big Boss. Oh, yes. Mm, so in 2010, Seema was invited to participate in Big Boss. <laughs> <laughs> so Big Boss is I mean for those who don't know for those of you that are that have class big boss mm-hmm. is an indian version <laughs> of the british show big brother it's where a bunch of contestants are put in a house together and they're totally isolated from the outside world um and every every week contestants are voted out there's mm-hmm. like a like a buttload of drama it's just really ridiculous trashy reality tv and i love it um <laughs> and of course like yeah and if, as as they voted out the person who remains at the end will win like mm. whatever cash mm. prize that they get to win and yeah. i guess a bunch of like instagram followers good for them so <laughs> seema was ended up going on big boss uh, but huh. she was evicted on day 76 which was the 11th week from the mm. house but even before she managed to get there there was a little bit of drama so mm. she was scheduled to appear on the show for i think a period of 3 months um mm. she was out of jail around this time but she had to appear before the alabad high court every month and oh. because i mean the kind of crimes that she was accused of yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were just like, "Hey, listen, let's just keep a tab on you, okay?" <laughs> But in order to appear on Big Boss, I mean, she had to be away for three months in Bombay, so mm-hmm. that would obviously be a direct conflict with the order of the court, where they were like, "Come every month and see me." So, right. for the second time in her life, mm. a petition was filed before a high court <laughs> to get permission to get her out <laughs> of, you know, either jail or a similar uh-huh. situation. to be on some random medium of entertainment <laughs> first it was the movie and now it's yeah. a reality show like this happened twice in her life that's how that's how like how much people wanted her yeah yeah it's but like, if i had a nickel for every time this happened to me it would be two nickels but it's uh-huh. surprising that it happened twice <laughs> exactly also i what's with nickels are pretty much valueless so i don't know aim higher nisha <laughs> so in september 2010 which is when she had approached the court the allahabad mm-hmm. high court said No girl, you can't just leave. That's hey. not how this works. <laughs> Why man, they should have said yes like, like go go and be on the show but whatever money you make off of it you you don't get it. You don't get paid for this. Oh hey, you know what? That's uh that's actually like a real thing. It's uh, oh. it's not a thing in India. I mean I I get the concept of what you're saying. It's not a thing in India yet. Mm. But it's like a lot of American judges practices it's called creative sentencing. Uh basically instead of like jail time for a crime mm-hmm. you can agree to something more creative but usually like more humiliating okay the sentence oh, no. is much yeah like there was this one case i'm just remembering sort of off my head but there was one case in ohio i'm forgetting exactly what when it was um mm. there was a woman who i think she had knocked over a police officer or something while she was driving mm-hmm. and the judge obviously was like hey bro you're guilty mm. and then he's he said okay either you can you know go to jail and pay the fine mm. or you can cook thanksgiving dinner for uh, the entire police like precinct or oh my god yeah yeah so that's kind of cool i kind of like that yeah i like it too but i mean none of that was necessary because uh, seema got permission to yeah. go through and then she went on to film big boss and eventually get evicted 
But turns out she enjoyed it. She talks quite a bit in a lot of interviews about <laughs> it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't usually watch Big Boss. My mom does. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least she used to. At least the Tamil version. But um, she- <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe we should watch this one. We should watch this. I feel yeah. like we could eleven weeks. Oh, that's eleven hours worth of. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. I think we binge watch a lot of other random stuff as well. So I think we for the sake that. of our podcast, we shall make the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, and watch Big Boss. <laughs> that sounds great. Let's do it today with Chinese food. <laughs> Ooh, fun! Yeah, let's do it. But you know what? We're actually at the end of the episode. That was um, that was a very. Cute wasn't a segue at all. I'm very sorry, guys. But we're here. We're at the end, um, and you know what that means. It is time for musical recap. Whoop whoop whoop. Yeah. All right, Nisha, take it away. A playful child, just twelve years old. She's taken from her home. She fought her way through lands unknown, but the jungle broke her soul. She turned away from a life of good to play the part of Robin Hood, and there she was, the bandit queen, or so the story goes. She robbed and killed a thousand men and vanquished all her foes. Followed by her loyal ones, she ruled where no one goes. She surrendered on her own. On a stage, her life was shown, and there she was, the bandit queen, or so her story goes. And there she was, the bandit queen, or so her story goes. Girl, I am so proud of you. All day, <laughs> every day. I'm so proud Thanks, of you. Thanks, girl. <laughs> you know, you know what else I'm proud of? What? The fact that we are at the end of this episode about bandits and decoits and highway hmm. robbers and yet not once have we used the word booty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there are many times I wanted to, especially when you were talking about like the initial bits about decoity. I was like, right. <laughs> Let's use the word booty, but then I thought that's really, that's really trashy. Rag, we get your shit together. Good so. job, good job. Claps all around. Well thank done. Thank you. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for sticking by so far and listening to us for the past two months, and also mm-hmm. listening on this episode. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. You can catch me at just dot nishful dot thinking, and Raghavi, where can they get you? at ragi.dose. You'll find our Instagram handles in the description of this episode. Um, You can also please subscribe to our blog. All of our sources are on there. If you're curious, this particular episode has a ton of sources. Mm. So I think you'll have a great time looking that up. And we will catch you on the next episode of Misconduct. See you guys. (laughs) 